been planning for next week's Better Buddies. Welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ, and with us this week, we've got Calvin. Hello. And James. Hello. Our Better Buddies icebreaker this week. Jesus Christ comes floating down out of the sky and asks you for a hug. What would you do? Do I know for certain it's Jesus? It looks like stereotypical Jesus. And they just floated down out of the sky. No wires, no helicopters. Uh... You give him the hug? I'd give him the hug. Does that mean you're now infected by an alien parasite? Well, um, it's like there's a there's a guy falling from the sky. Unless unless part of this question, I'm like I somehow intrinsically know for certain this is Jesus. I don't know that I'm gonna trust it. I'd give Jesus That's, the hug. I would I would I would just give him the hug because like who knows what could happen. It's all about faith with Jesus, you know. That's also a very fair response to that question. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's actually like Bible stories about that. <laughs> yeah. You should just take it on faith. There's literally a a, a doubting Thomas is literally from the That's Bible fair. where yeah. Thomas didn't believe it was Jesus and Jesus was like, I bet, come touch my wounds. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm Thomas in this scenario then. Well, there's gotta be at least one. Yeah, that's true. I call it dibs. <laughs> <laughs> this question... Also, to be fair, I don't give anybody a hug. Yeah. This question was inspired by an actual statue in our in our church, James. In our home church. Really? Yeah, up in the up in the choir loft, there was a statue of Jesus with his arms outstretched, and in preparing for a wedding one time, my dad went up and like went to give it a hug. Aw. Yeah. That's cute. There you go. That's really cute. Um also, small mini icebreaker. We're on episode ninety nine. Do you know what that means? No. Next week is episode one more 100. than ninety eight. Oh, that too. Oh, oh my god! A yeah. hundred episodes old. We this has been going on for almost two years. And in, in yeah. five more episodes, it will be two years. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of that's kind of crazy. So prepare yourselves. I don't know what. Yeah. I'm do. do you have a Do you have a bunch of stuff planned? I have one thing planned. Uh oh. <laughs> Hooray. Are we gonna like this one thing or You're not. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you never liked it though, so Uh bring it back shouting into the void. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. ruined your surprise. You'll have to cut that if you want to keep it a surprise. I don't think anyone cares about the surprise to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Our next segment, Better Buddies Recommend, where we recommend a piece of media to enjoy. Calvin, I have not finished the first Mistborn book yet. I've only had it for a week. Uh, that's more than enough time to finish it. If I'm not doing anything else, Unless maybe. you're James. How long is it? One moment. It's only like 400 pages. I guess that's not too bad. That's like two days a day. It appears yeah. to be 640-some. Like I said, six hundred and forty pages. <laughs> Wait, are you counting? Are you counting the appendix and the? Uh, I don't know if they include the first chapter of the second book. 
Uh, there's an epilogue. Epilogue counts as part of the main book. All right, then I think that's all I was counting. Okay. Well, still, that's like two days. Come on, RJ. What are, what's going on here? I have school. So? What's your excuse? I read more when I was in school than I did when I wasn't. Yeah, Damn. I actually do school. Touche. Uh, so, yeah, recommendations. What do we got this week? Uh, I got one, but I feel like it will devolve into a long conversation, so... James, what do you got? I can throw mine out. Yeah, <clears throat> this is one I'm actually pretty excited about. Um, I recently watched the show Sam and Max, Freelance Police. Have either of you heard of this show? Never heard of Wait, it. Wait, like the rabbit and the dog detective? Yes. Yes. I only know about it because of their point-and-click adventure games. Yeah, they're a point-and-click adventure games. The the they technically they started out as a graphic novel series um, really? back in the mid to late eighties. Yeah, and then they be like Lucas Arts approached them and they made some point-and-click adventure games that became very popular. And then Telltale, like in the mid two thousands, made uh made like some some games with them. But in the interim, in the in between, in the mid to late nineties. There was a Sam and Max television show, which is a cartoon show um, that aired on Fox Kids, on the Fox Kids network. Um, Fox Kids. And yeah. it is one of the best cartoons I've ever seen. Um, it's kind of like, it's got that great, like, it, it was still during the time where people were actually, like, animating for real back during the 90s. So think of, like, <laughs> like Animaniacs type animation where oh, it's like, a yeah. yeah, but, but smooth. And it's got a lot of, it's got that, uh, trademark, um, those trademark inserts, like, you know, in SpongeBob when they'll have like one frame that's very highly detailed, like it does yeah. a lot of that as nice. well. Um, but it's, it's amazing because this show aired on a kid's network, but it is so clearly not a children's television show. Like it is, I mean, you watched Animaniacs, right? I did watch it. I watched like a bit of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was not a kid's show either. <laughs> no, I I just found it fascinating because Sam and Max is like, it is like, like violent, like pretty 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 violent, even for a cartoon like that. Um, the the characters are like very carefree and like intelligent, but almost like to a sociopathic degree. Um, <laughs> Okay. And That's great. The animation is is fantastic. Very smooth. Very fun to watch. Like very detailed backgrounds. Um, the voice performances are great. The jokes are great. Um, it's just like I, I, I it's really hard to describe the show because it'd be really easy to use like basic verbs like oh it's so chaotic oh it's so random when those don't really like cover what it is. I've never seen a show like this before. Um, where it it really push the boundaries uh in some ways like they have a whole episode where they parody apocalypse now um <laughs> like and it was shown to kids like, like awesome good it, it's it's great like so it was cool to see that they kept some of the like some of the sensibilities that clearly run through the games and the graphic novels um and then basically packaged it in this saturday morning cartoon uh show and I would say, like, you can watch all the episodes for free on YouTube. Um, 
I would absolutely say at least check out just the first one. RJ, I think you especially would like it. I oh, think yeah. you'd really like it. Um, I thought I binged them all in one day. I thought it was wow. just like it's it's great. There's only about twenty episodes. Um, yeah, I have a question about that because I'm yeah. looking at the Wikipedia page and I'm very confused because <laughs> it lists the episodes as there being thirteen episodes but twenty four segments. Yes. So it seems like they cut episodes up into parts and then they didn't air in order. For example, well, yeah. oh, it said it, it, you'll have to explain because maybe Wikipedia just lays this out poorly. But it says like episode number four A aired on November 1st of 97, whereas yeah. four B aired on October 18th of 97. I do think I have an answer for this because I noticed that compared to I watched them partially on YouTube and partially on this other streaming service called Tubi, which is like a free hey, streaming. Tubi. And uh, I think I, I I know what it is, I think. Because um, okay. remember, like, back, you know, with kids shows, especially back in, you know, the 90s and 2000s and stuff, they would do 10-minute segments. Um, so an episode yeah. really actually just 10 minutes. Like, that is a quote-unquote segment of an episode. But what I believe is for, like, DVDs is they package the episodes, like, 4A, 4B. Like, these are the ones that follow, but they don't air them. Because Interesting. Just because you have like one part of one episode done doesn't mean you might be finished with all the cleanup on the second part. So I think that's why they do that. I, I think. Interesting. So the the numbers you're thinking are just how the episodes were listed on like DVD or whatever, whatever, and then the episode air dates are just based on when they got actually aired okay i guess that makes sense and i i did forget that cartoons like have basically in a half hour segment two basically episodes like there's yeah. two parts to every episode i, for, I forgot that's a thing in cartoons yeah no fairly odd parents had it phineas and ferb had it spongebob spongebob yeah. did jimmy you do it oh uh, yeah yeah it I did two so. segments in an episode so. i don't i don't remember I, I believe so. And that is one of the only things that I wish almost they hadn't done because the first episode is a full 20, like 20, 22 minute one. Uh, yeah. It's like the pilot. So they're going to show the whole thing. Um, and I almost kind of wish like I do like the feel of kids cartoons, but the pacing does get me because I'm not like a child anymore. So it can't <laughs> like very. You don't have the tiny uh, attention span. Yeah. Or I remember like. That's that's the weird thing, like going back and watching those old cartoons, like the 10 minutes used to feel like such a long time as a kid. You know what I mean? Like it used to feel like so much longer. And now it's yeah. like it just goes by so quickly. Um, but I no, I would I would heavily recommend Sam and Max. I would say at least check out the first episode. And I think you're going to know within the first five minutes whether or not you want to like keep going. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely def one of those things. I definitely recognize these characters. I've never seen anything with them, but like the artwork, I've I I know I've seen them somewhere before. Uh, it's if something you've seen ads on Steam for that like Valve Poker Night. Yes, the rabbit, yeah. right? The rabbit's, the rabbit's in, in it. it. Yeah. Okay. It's um, it's something too like. Uh, I, I, because I remember seeing them. I think if anyone who's like proximal or been proximal for a while 
to video games has probably seen these characters somewhere. Like you're mentioning seeing in the Valve store or um, I remember, I, I think one of my first points of contact would have been like when I was young and I used to get Game Informer. Like I'm pretty sure yeah. they had Sam and Max. Like, well, they're the also talking- the, uh, like they're the, uh, I don't know, original isn't the right word, but they're one of the classic haha look at how dumb the solutions are in point and click games um, yeah there was it, a it, comic strip where they're like sam i think it was max i think it was, no, it was max like explains this whole process of like the steps you go through in the point and click game of the different items you have to use at different places that are clearly nonsensical to any reasonable <laughs> individual and the punchline was the guy behind the desk says just call a plumber <laughs> no i well, I like them too because it's fun. Like the idea of like freelance police, because that's what they are. They are like, <laughs> yeah. the, every <laughs> starts with them getting a call from this person called the commissioner who you never see or hear. And they get sent on like basically like non sequitur, like missions and assignments to go. Like one of the one of the episodes deals with them, they have to go deliver a heart to the president of the United States on mm-hmm. Valentine's Day. And Interesting. It's like, it's shit like that where it's like, it's kind of like Animaniacs where it's weirdly, not like political, but like weirdly topical, like smarter yeah. than you, not just slapstick. So I would, I would definitely recommend it at, at least the first episode. Aren't also, freelance police just private eyes? Uh, yeah. No. Private eyes have some form of regulation on them. These are freelance police. Anyone oh, can be a freelance police. Anyone can be a private eye. Uh, not yeah, anyone. You, yeah, you have you have to have like your own practice. You have to have uh, your own. Private eyes have to have a practice and some form of licensure, depending on the state. Yeah, if you want to be a licensed private eye. <laughs> fair, fair <laughs> enough. There's no reason you need. You can't just be like, yes, I am a private detective. Yeah, I mean that's also fair. Vigilante justice has been popular forever. That's yeah. totally. <laughs> that's that's what the revolution yeah. was. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. Yeah, like, I'm going to check that out. You definitely should. Uh, my recommendation, I finally got around to watching this movie that I've been wanting to watch for a while now. Gunpowder Milkshake on Netflix. Oh, yeah. I've seen the trailers. Is there I, any good? I haven't um, heard about this. It's a very good action flick. Don't expect a real deep plot, but uh, they definitely put in some good action scenes. And I would give it credit for, I think one of the biggest things that, like, going into it I was a little nervous about was the, like, whole, because you know how sometimes those female light action movies can wind, like, diverge into the girl power thing? Yeah. Where instead of, like, just being, hey, here's some very well-written and strongly written female characters, it's just a delivery system for one-liners about how they don't belong to anyone, and they're a girl. <laughs> And they're better. Yeah. Like, yeah. Wonder Woman comes to mind with that. Um, no, it was very well done. They don't. It passes the Bechdel test. And Perfect. They. It's a really interesting setup, I'd say. I don't want to spoil the plot too much, which, like, there's not a lot of plot to spoil because it is a bunch of. Like, it's Karen Gillian as the female lead, and her mom is played by Lena Headey, and... Oh. Yeah. And it, it's very fun, but they also set it up very well, I would say. 
So looking at the, at least the poster for it, like it looks like it'd be kind of uh, like the kind of neo eighties, like pop quirky tone. Like it, it seems like it'd almost be going for kind of like an Edgar Wright baby driver type of thing. Kind yeah. Like, do you know talking yeah, about kind of mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> okay. it uses a lot of that fluorescent lighting and eighties kind of imagery, like mm-hmm. the bowling jacket she gets. Because there's a fight at a bowling alley. Um, okay. But it does so without being, like, nostalgic for the 80s, if that makes sense. Okay. It doesn't have a set time period. Uh, it's not like, oh, it's t- March 1st, 2020. It's yeah. just, like, puts you in and sets you going. Mm-hmm. And it... I'd say it does it sets up its world very economically. It doesn't spend a ton of time detailing out like how things work and how different groups work. It's just like here's the group, okay, let's move on. Okay. She works for these people and she messed up and now we're doing this now instead of like okay, so here's the people she works for and here's how their organization is all laid out and here's why they're in control and what it is they control and the other groups they're competing with. Like they don't go, yeah. they don't deep dive into that. So it, it knows what it is. Like it's it's kind of aware and it moves at the pace that you'd expect it to. Yes, I'd compare it. Now I've only seen the third John Wick movie, but I'd compare okay. it to John Wick in my experience with that third movie. Of you have your hero, they do the action, and they like the world just kind of says things and make and assumes you will just follow along and make assumptions based on what they say. Yeah. Okay. The Continental is the hotel in John Wick, and there's no fighting in the Continental, and that's just the way it is. To be fair, for John Wick, you did jump into the third one where they explain some of that. So, but but they, uh, but in the first one, you're right. You're, you're. They don't, they don't sit down in the first one and be like, "Hey, there's this underground network of assassins, and there's this hotel." of where you're not allowed to fight and stuff. They do still just kind of rock up and be like, yes, I would like a room. And then the guy's like, remember, no fighting. And then that's it. An example from the third one then would be like the man above the table. Yeah, I haven't seen the third one. I've only seen the Um, first one. Yeah, in the third one, Wick... Well, because in the first or second one, Wick does fight inside the Continental and kills on the steps of the Continental. That's the second yeah, and because of that, he's in trouble. So, and he, there's like rumor that there's the man above the table. And that if you could find the man above the table and sacrifice something to him, he will clear your debt. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I think, I think it's interesting how much like the John Wick movies, like, so quickly influenced a lot of stuff that came after. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think I'd even argue, um, to a degree, was it what, what was it the umbrella society what, the umbrella what was academy it? the umbrella academy like even that to me like watching the bits of it that i did or that one uh. action movie um there was an action movie fuck i'm forgetting what it was but it it, it reminds me at least in the action or the tone because like john wick is very um it's like i don't want to call it gritty because i wouldn't exactly call it that but it is like grim but it's still an action movie so it doesn't get mm. like bogged down in that tone i noticed that a lot of things that came out afterwards like directly afterwards were like maybe obviously not mimicking like the the plot or kind of you know the characters necessarily but at least the tone that they tried to adapt was the same kind of like 
Which is difficult to uh, do, because I think would John you say, Wick is... Would you say it was a Tony of Gritty without being, like, morose? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, that, that that's a really good way to put it. Yeah. So, yeah, Gunpowder Milkshake fills that. And, okay. Um, again, power... Some pretty powerful female leads. Nobody I recognized in the rest of the cast, but, like, I felt like I should... For Gunpowder okay. Milkshake? Yeah. Let's see here. Gunpowder. What's like, it like? I want to say I recognize some. Is it like an hour and a half? Like, what's the runtime? Uh, oh, runtime is like just under two hours. Uh, okay. That sounds say, terrible. Yeah, no. And it moves pretty quick. One fourteen like minutes. It. Yeah. That's not okay. bad at all. Cast. Let's see here. Uh, Carla. I suck at names. Uh, Gugino. Let's uh, see. uh, Michelle Yeoh, I know yeah, her. Recognize Angela ba- Angela Bassett, Paul Giamatti, yeah, hey. who's he? He's uh, in Gunpowder Milkshake or just in general? Gunpowder Milkshake. Na- it says Nathan, head of uh, okay. HR. Yeah, he's like the handler. See, and I'd always known the name Paul Giamatti, but I never knew the face of Paul Giamatti. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Giamatti's great. He's he's great. But he's the rhino in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Is he? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. He should not be. He's floated around a, a bunch. <laughs> he's a pretty good actor, but it really depends on what you put him in. What else is he in? Uh, he was in the John Adams miniseries that was very popular. Hangover Part 2. I never saw he was also movies. He was it. Really? I saw yeah. the... I saw the first one. Um, it's like a pretty for the for the decade following it, like a pretty foundational comedy movie. Like it pretty much cemented like what people started yeah. to towards for sure. Um, but it's like it's it's one of those things where kind of like its own immediate popularity kind of kill it a little bit because like people go in expecting like laugh out loud, and it's really actually like. I wouldn't say it's a niche humor, but it's a very specific sense that you kind of have to be for. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Gunpowder Milkshake, lots of big guns, lots of fun guns, lots of fun little... The car... Nope. There's a car scene, like car chase scene, as there has to be, that's pretty good. Hell yeah. Um, the car chase scene has probably one of my favorite jokes related to car chases ever. Mm-hmm. Um, That... I don't, I don't want to spoil it, but it, it was just, I wasn't expecting it, and when it happened, I was like, yeah, that's that's realistic, I like this. <laughs> did, did they use real blood? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, they like, killed people for this. No, not real blood, but <laughs> used, like, squibs, you know, like, oh, or yeah. was it? Uh, oh, okay. instead of CG blood? Yeah. Instead of C- CG is, like, fine, but, like. There's nothing like a good squib to really get you. No, they use real blood. Like, there's a scene where there's a dude, like, on a couch. Like, they set the guy on the couch, and when he gets up, there's, like, stains on the couch. Like, yeah, you can see she didn't, but, like, it at least seemed like they were using squibs. That's fair. So, yeah, gunpowder milkshake. Calvin, what do you got? Nice. Uh, I'm surprised you don't actually know what I got. Uh, I I mean, I do, but. Yeah, what do I got? I, I think I know exactly what you're going to say. Star Wars. No, not at all. Oh. No, yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, 
Um, Time for another Star Wars episode, boys. Hell yeah. Oh my god. What? I just realized I'm wearing my shirt inside out. (laughs) How long have you been wearing it? Uh, Since I got home. Three days. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't wear it to work? That's funny. Uh, No, I change when I get home from work. Come on, RJ. You gotta change out your work clothes. Yeah, you do. You gotta get that shit instantly. Off. I walk in the door and I immediately strip out of my work clothes and put on like just my at-home clothes. Oh, Me too. I uh, guess I'm the weird one then. Yes, we knew that. Um, but well, for a new reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Star Wars Visions. The um, honestly, the Star Wars version of What If? I would say because it's an animated anthology of nine films, short films, short stories, things. They're like 20 minutes a piece, most of them, 13 to 20 minutes. Um, Very Love, Death, and Robots-esque in the fact that each episode was completely unique from the other ones, Um, like an anthology. Uh, But uh, they were animated by different studios. I think there was... Yeah, there's seven different studios that worked on it. Um, All Japanese animation studios. Um, some pretty famous ones and it was awesome. It takes about two and a half hours to power through all of them. So you can basically watch it like a movie, uh, which I did and it was amazing. I, yeah. Have you, yes, hundred percent. Have you guys seen any of them? No, I've only seen the trailer. Okay. Uh, oh yeah. I think we talked about on the trailer on here a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so now that I've seen it, I would say of the nine films, there was, let me see here, one, there were two I didn't really care for, one I was like, that's okay, and then the rest were all, I thought, great. Um, so overall, I'd say they did a really great job of it. Um, I mean, I'm a sucker for, I love anime, so it was already up my alley in animation style. Um, except for a couple, the, like the two I didn't like, uh, (laughs) but there were more stories. What do you mean? Uh, oh, I'm just looking at a very weird episode list. So I tried to pull up the episode list, Mm -hmm. but like it doubled the count. So, like, it's technically showing me a list of 18, but it all, it just doubled the numbers and is like, oh, uh, episode one, the duel, episode one, the duel, episode two, where, Tatooine Rhapsody, episode three, where Tatooine are you Rhapsody, Google. Oh, uh, yeah, no, there's only, there's only nine episodes, so Google's messing up. Okay. But, yeah, there's only the nine episodes, and uh, first of all, James, the duel was um, basically Yojimbo. And it was fantastic. I know that name. Uh, I didn't hear you there, James. I said, are, <clears throat> are you serious? Was the duel the one between the two siblings? Or is that No, different? that's twins. Okay. Um, the duel was the kind of like, it's like black and white, except for the red of the lightsabers. Oh, it's that one? Uh, yeah. Oh. And it's it's 100% Yojimbo. <laughs> I... Um, <laughs> I find that really funny because uh, there was also the Halo Legends short that was called The Duel, which was also about yeah. sort. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's 
Yeah, no, the duel in Star Wars Visions was, I thought, a great way to kick it off. Um, I watched the entire thing in Japanese. They had two main um, uh, audio tracks. You can either watch it in English or Japanese. Um, they, I mean, they may have more that they dubbed it into, but from my understanding is they, like, the creator's created and casted it for these for a japanese and english version mm-hmm. um i went japanese because made uh one i just like japanese stuff and i figured that since they're japanese studios they would have been geared towards japanese other thing basically this entire thing is if star wars was a japanese property because Every episode is heavily influenced by Japanese aesthetic. Um, the buildings, uh, I mean, there's a straight up one of the episodes, uh, Lope and Ocho. Uh, they're, they're, it's like they're in Japan. They have, there's shrines. There's, um, there's the guy, he's like a, they call him the boss. And like he's, a, uh, and they talk about like the family and the clan, and like there's a ton of like basically Japanese iconography, but skewed Star Wars. It's super cool. Uh, <laughs> the they went the obvious route with uh, lightsabers, some of them looking like samurai swords, basically. Uh, and yeah, I think it, I think it was incredibly well done. And I think my favorite aspect of it was how just. It's it's not like normal Star Wars. Um, I would be interested to know what the canon is for this the like for these. I would assume they're not uh, because they definitely play fast and loose with uh, some tradi- like Star Wars lore and like what people are used to with Star Wars. I saw an article headline literally. I think today. Basically saying, like, Star Wars Legends is what can happen when you... Or not Star Wars Legends. Star Wars Visions is what happens when you can break when you break canon. And, like, mm-hmm. the good that can come out of that. Well, what yes. this is what happens when you have to stay in canon. Interesting. I would agree that Visions is what I think is the benefit of occasionally breaking canon. Because if you were to settle... If you were to try and, like, hold in canon universe stuff... That... You can do a lot of lot of fun stuff, but you're limited. With yeah. visions, I, I mean, pretty much every episode, it's like every other person's force sensitive. Yeah, like well, what's, that's just Star like, Wars. Let's be real. It, well, yes and no. I mean, in what Star Wars property are there more than like besides like the um, the prequels where they specifically are in like the Jedi Temple? Or revolving around, like, specifically the Jedi Order. In this, it's just, like, it seems like every other person you meet is Force-sensitive. Well, to to agree, I think that's the interesting idea, though, with Star Wars that hasn't really been delved into. Is, like, you you do see the polarity between, like, in the movies, between people who are extremely Force-sensitive and trained, like, in the Jedi and the Sith. And then people Mm -hmm. who, like, aren't. But, like... I think I think that's because technically, like what Obi Wan says in the in the first movie, still holds true, right? Like everybody, yeah, a, everyone's it, connected. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and people, people use have, that to argue that Han Solo is technically force sensitive, just not trained because of he's got a bad feeling about this and his incredible luck. Yeah, I thought there were even yeah. like 
little jokes about that like in a new hope but maybe i'm just like confusing certain things well but, make the uh, line about him preferring a blaster ironic yeah oh yeah <laughs> uh no. yeah i think that's interesting I, what did you i guess think of it like did you feel like it broke the world kind of for you no or? no i actually okay. really dug it because okay. uh, I think if you were to hold to canon and be true to Star Wars, I don't think there should be as many Jedi. I think there should be a lot, maybe a bit more Force-sensitive people. But yeah. I do I do think that when you get into the movies and stuff, they have to tend, while it is science fiction, they have to play a bit more to the realism side. So when you bring in Force powers and Jedi, you tend to break the power scaling um, yes. unless you up the other sides for sensitive users, which could be an awesome premise of just like a, a movie where there's like in the old Republic area during this war against the Sith, where there's just a bunch of force sensitive people on either side. And that could be an awesome like film or something. But in the films that we have in the nine, uh, in the nine <laughs> main ones, we only really have one or two force sensitive people at a time and they're not constantly doing force things in visions it's just like there's there'll be like a character and they'll be like in the thing for half the thing for over half of it and then it's just like oh yeah they have force powers and they just suddenly know how to do everything with the force and yeah they're awesome and <laughs> it's, the same reason everyone hated ray <laughs> uh yes but i think there's a suspension of disbelief that the movies lack because of what i'm saying with that like realism aspect that they have yeah. to hold to when it comes to movies whereas with an the these visions um i think personally at least my brain was like swapped to anime logic mode mm -hmm. so i was like yes this this just makes sense <laughs> it sounds it's just like me. of course they could just do this <laughs> it sounds a lot like that halo legends animated compilation yeah. yes like yeah how there, some of it was more canon than others and some of it you just kind of like suspend your disbelief like with that spartan 1337 uh, yeah, I would say it's more akin to if it didn't go all off the rails as uh, Spartan 1, uh, 1337 did, mm -hmm. um, but it also didn't hold to the realism as pretty much all of the other ones in Halo Legends held to, because yeah. I would say they pretty much held to a lot of the canon for most of those. Um So I'd say it's somewhere in the middle, where it's not like they're just wildly breaking things in Star Wars Visions. Um but they're also not holding to like established stuff. Like there's, um, I don't really want to spoil yeah. it too much because I really, really think you guys and everyone listening should go and watch it. Um, you're not going to like every episode. You're going to um, most likely. Uh, it helps that per on a personal level, like I said, I love anime. So I was already biased towards this and it being Star Wars. So like my two loves met and it's just like amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's great. It sounds like they, they're just more focused on telling a story. Like they want to tell stories mm -hmm. and tell good stories. And yes, they're serving that more than the canon. Yeah. It's, it, it's kind of funny. I honestly feel like a lot of like, why doesn't Disney just go back to what made them like super famous in the first place why don't they just start churning out massive anime like 2d animated movies for all their properties i don't understand i feel like at a marvel animated already printing money yeah really. i know but i feel like a marvel animated movie series wouldn't only be like more well received potentially 
but like it would maybe even capture more people like they more tried. people it was are... called big hero six <laughs> no no i mean like this is what i'm talking about i mean 2d yeah a straight 2D, 2d anime avengers or star wars movie like one that because i bet i would bet just from the trailer i bet those the star wars visions looked really fucking good i bet it looked really good i do think you're partially right but i also think you are overestimating the amount of people that would watch no not even that the amount of people that watch animated properties yes i i I think people like the idea of it but i think a lot more people would be would on paper be on board with it until that's all they're getting and there is a large number of that excuse me of the like there's no like way to say it that doesn't sound like gatekeeping or just like whatever it's like of the non-nerd people that are truly like like i don't know how to like phrase it but like the people that are just like now that marvel has become the the marvel like the mcu i would argue is like largely left nerd culture behind it is just a public like thing now so, yeah, same way that like Game of Thrones arguably yes. left like a nerd culture behind yes. when it's a television show. Yes, I agree with I, I think I can see what you're saying. Yeah. So I think that is what really exploded them is the ability to reach across those people. Uh and I could be completely off base. Like that that could be the bridge that brings people into this stuff, but I don't think that it would bring that many. But no, I'd be curious. Yeah. I'd be curious to see how well Star Wars Vision does. I I think you're I think you're probably right. Like I know a lot of people who say like they don't like watching animated stuff because it just it like feels like childish to them. Mm-hmm. Which I I can I can very much understand. Like as a kid, disagree, but <laughs> yeah, I just I disagree as well. Like as a kid, I always felt more of a connection and more of an ability to engage with a story. Like I liked cartoons like on television way more than I liked any of the Disney channel or like Nickelodeon or cartoon yeah. action shows. Like I yeah. preferred cartoon far above. Um, Cause Cartoons I think felt like, more real. <laughs> it, well, cause it's like, it's because it's live action ready. people don't actually act that way. Yeah. No one yeah. That, no, the, like in the real world acts the way they do in a live action TV show. Yeah. And like with a cartoon, like there's already a suspension of disbelief because, you know, like in the back of your mind, you're watching something that is inherently like non-real, but in a way like that allows you to get into it more because it is like it's not like, quote unquote, this is going to sound really pretentious. It's not like lying to you like you're saying, RJ. It's not like you're not watching like real kids pretending to be real kids when you know that they're anything but real kids. You're watching like cartoon characters, which like for me is a more engaging experience even now. Um, but I, I I agree with what you're saying. I, I don't think animation has like that uh, that much of a draw for it to make it like a worthwhile financial like move. Um, it does really disappoint me because like the United States needs to. I think we need like a good tradition of 2D animation. Like, Fun I fact, just, I, yeah. Um, it, what if isn't 2D animated, but its animation style is based on older, like I want to say 40s, 50s advertising anim- like drawings. 
Oh, interesting. All right. Yeah, like they didn't go fully 2D with it, but they at least like took a lot of inspiration from two-dimensional art. Well, that's to me that's a step in the right direction. I'm really biased. I've always wanted to see like an American version of Studio Ghibli. I don't mean just like copy pasting. I mean like no, well, kind of actually, yes, but I mean like focusing on like 2D animation producing like movies about like small kids in the, in the United States dealing with like I don't know, the stuff you've seen Ghibli movies where it's like a supernatural I don't watch a kid deal with a cow turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Watch like a bunch of kids like do a story about like kids in some midwestern town near a lake like discovering a lake monster i mean that's like a really dumb idea but it's like that's something that doesn't have the um i'd argue america doesn't have the precedent of myth and legend to back that up in the same way i'd agree yeah i think there is a lot of that mysticism that's baked into those ghibli films and that's what i think really intrigues a lot of the american audience is because we lack that like we Mm. have babe and we have like a Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. We got John Henry, Johnny Appleseed. But as much as those myths are part of American culture, they were from a very distinct period of American culture that really isn't taught anymore. I think, okay, so that's also fair. I think then just tying it into general themes, like imagine if the movie Super 8 was animated. Like if the movie Super 8 was like a 2D animation, that would almost be like, a Ghibli film, Super kind of. It was a bunch it's... of kids with a camera filming aliens, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. And it's and a it, great film. I love it, it. It's great. Like, and that's a very like American movie. It's dealing with like American themes. It's 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 about it centers around a turning point in like uh, the country's history for the most part. And like, I, I agree. Like, America doesn't have a whole like wealth yet of like myth that we can pull on, but we've still got like aliens that are fascination with. Like, <laughs> With the West, like uh, America That's still true. have the spirit of the cowboy, and like you can, you spirit can spirit of the West. <laughs> like get kids on bikes, like make Stranger Things an animated movie. You could do, you could do all that shit. So but what are you doing to make it happen, James? I uh, I'm trying to write books that are kind of like that. Like I there love write stories that are like American myths. I think that's really fun. I think there's like a great wealth of potential in this country to tell stories that still have like kind of a mythic binding, even though they take place in like the modern day. And I'd argue that like star Wars visions is in an indirect way. Still like, like star Wars is still one of the greatest American myths like that we've ever made. Yeah. It's, it's like beautiful. I'd argue, um, star War- I'd argue star Wars was the first modern American myth. I, Oh, that's tough. Cause I would say like the Western, like the movie Western, but I would say coalesce like the first crystallized even, one. Even yes. Westerns didn't have the reach. Like no single, I would argue no single Western had the reach Star Wars did. I think, I think that's fair. I, I think that's fair on like a, uh, on a certain cultural level. Westerns yeah, as I a could... whole were bigger, but Star Wars as an individual film would win out. Yeah, that's, I mean, to be fair as well though, like, like it, it it does borrow quite a few like western themes which also yeah. borrowed like as we know like as we talked about before like japanese samurai films which so it all, all just those... circles back to japan <laughs> I, well all the, yes. they, those borrow from like like the westerns also borrowed from like arthurian legend and blah 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 like 
That's what makes it and so cool. And a legend the... borrowed from the legend of the samurai, and it circles back to Japan. That's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah, all those all those uh, knights from the 800s who managed to get on boats and go over to Japan. <laughs> yeah, when Japan was that'd be, closed. That'd be... I would, I would honestly, I'd watch a movie about a bunch of Arthurian like knights going on like a quest, like getting on a boat to go to Europe somewhere, and they get swept up and they wind up in Japan. Is that totally basically watch. the Great Wall with uh, what's his name? No, no, with Matt. Damon. <laughs> yeah, with Matt. Damon. No, that's like, the Great Wall with Matt like, Damon. It's not like Arthurian because he's like he's just like Arthurian. He's like uh, I guess. I mean, he's he, a foreigner what is he? in China helping the Chinese win their war. Yeah, more Marco Polo. Yeah, that's also fair. I don't know, man. I I I got to see Star Wars Visions. I'm gonna watch the dub, really do. and then you and I can compare. I kind of want to go back and watch it in the dub because there's some pretty awesome people in the English dub. Uh, Lucy Liu, uh, Neil Patrick Harris, Allison Brie, Allison Brie, uh, George Takei. Uh, yeah, no, there's there's a lot of really good. Um, people in the english dub so i think it i think the english dub is probably pretty great too uh do you think this is so far like in the newer era of star wars your favorite kind of iteration or your favorite thing to come from it Ooh, that's hard because i really like this but it's it, it it runs that line of what i would consider true star wars because of how much it breaks the canon there are I well actually honestly some of my favorite episodes I would say my favorite episodes are the ones that were more in line with canon okay so that they didn't they didn't play it as fast and loose I really enjoyed the some of the ones that played it fast <laughs> and loose um like they, they 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 did this thing where in one of these episodes where they had lightsabers and this guy made the lightsaber and he's like oh um, the blade will take on the attributes of the person of the Jedi that wields it. So it, the, these lightsabers are just like changing colors willy nilly. <laughs> Wasn't that part of the uh, original old Jedi Order though? No, back when they were first like, uh, still swords. I don't know. I don't remember now. It's been a long time, I but I don't think so. Color, but I thought part of they, the old one was that like the swords were. Are you talking about swords. back like? Or, origins of the jedi order on tython yeah because that was just like force enhanced metal swords yeah. um the original swords like they were literally just swords that like the jedi channeled like f their force into and yeah then that they, um, yeah that was supposed to be like a more mysticism kind of thing with the force um the whole lightsaber concept has been rewritten a bunch of times yeah um to like both require the force to be built and not and like it's whatever be turned but, on with the force but it's actually got a mechanical switch but no you can turn them <laughs> off with the force yeah uh but my understanding was always that the most recent canon was that uh the crystal determines your color yeah um, and that's what it was but no, this one, it's literally oh, one person picks up a blade and the chain, it changes color and like it changes colors based off of just whoever's holding it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just. You guys got to watch it because I want to talk yeah. about specifics. <laughs> I'll watch it for sure. That's a good recommendation, I think. Very good recommendation. And it still leaves us with 10 minutes for the last segment of the show. 
Oh my god. It's not a Star Wars episode after all. Damn it's it. always a Star Wars episode. I mean, episode. it was still pretty much yeah. a Star Wars episode. It's fair. I'll have to check which number this which number Star Wars episode this was. I think it's four. Hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, we gotta we gotta boost those numbers then. Our next segment, How to Be a Better Buddy, where we give some real and some humorous advice, with our first question being, in my mid-twenties, what am I missing out on by living with my parents? With the further details, I'm done school, have a good job, and a girlfriend who lives with her parents. I feel pressured by my peers and society to move out. What am I missing out on by living with my parents in my mid-twenties? Peace and quiet. Nobody questioning why you're not doing something or why you are doing something. Make the food you want to eat. That um, can be a double-edged sword. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, yeah. not having to, like, know your parents are sitting, like, in the next room when you have date night. There you go. Yeah, I would say, honestly, just kind of being alone, I think, is pretty important. I know that sounds... That kind of ties into the next question, it looks like. Um, but I would I would definitely say, like, like you, uh, like you kind of said, uh, Cal, and you too, RJ, like, Peace and quiet and like having your own space. I think it's really important to, as you get older, like learn how to manage that because that's kind of when you kind of force yourself to actually like grow up and, and mm-hmm. do something. So I would, a, I would, here's a more practical thing too. You will eventually have to move out because statistically yeah. speaking, your parents will die. And yeah. then you get the house. And then you have to well, manage the bills and all those things. And it's better to yeah. learn now than later. That's true. When you can still ask your parents. Also, you're missing the number one thing about having your own place is the ability to just walk around naked. Oh, I mean, that's almost what I was going to say, but sure. Yeah, that's that's honestly a pretty great one. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Yeah, no, seriously. Being able to just walk out of the shower, like towel off, and then you don't have to worry about having your clothes in the bathroom with you. It's just like, I'll just go to my closet and figure out what I want to (laughs) wear. Yeah, that's pretty good, too. No, I like, uh, yeah, no, I agree with that one for sure. Why I will never put cameras in my house. Also, you can have a pet. Get down. I mean, if you get a pet at your parents, you can just pawn it off on your parents, and then you have the pet without having the responsibilities. So all, I feel like all, that's... We'll cover that in a if minute. You're all... <laughs> um, so yeah, there's also, like, your girlfriend lives with her parents too. And you don't feel awkward with going over to her place and just like they're there all the time. Like, hey, really? man, they, this this could be a different culture. In other cultures Fair. around the world, it's uh, most people. Uh, it's not uncommon to live with your parents. Just have a multi generational household. Uh, yeah, I feel like in that case though, that'd be the the fact that it says like feeling pressured by peers in society to move out makes me think. If they are they're of a different Ameri- culture, that they're transplanted to America. That's fair. But that is a good point to bring up. Like, which in that case, yeah, live with your parents, but like, get them a bungalow in your backyard or something. Yeah. <laughs> get a guest room. <laughs> or get yourself yeah. the, the pool house. There you go. Then it's like you have an apartment, but you're still living with your parents. Yeah, there you go. Our next question, James, that you hinted at. Uh, men who live alone, how do you keep your sanity? First answer, you don't. I was about to say, you that's bold of you to assume that I have kept my sanity. Yeah, you do kind of slowly go a little crazy. <laughs> I can't. I mean, like, I think it's pretty, I don't know. Um, Solitary just, confinement direct, has a direct link to insanity. Yeah, I mean, 
Well, like, for instance, like, I, quote, unquote, live alone. But, you know, I go to work, like, I talk with people, like, I'm out and about. Wait, what do you mean, quote, unquote? What? What do you mean? What do you mean? What do I mean, quote, unquote? You either live alone or you don't. What's nebulous about it? Who's living in the the basement, James? Because are we talking about living alone, like, like, living alone is in, like, you live in your home alone or you live alone all the time? I feel like it's just in your home alone. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, like, yeah. See, this is this is the problem with living alone. Is it just all blend together? Because the other version is like what RJ was talking about. That's solitary confinement. Yeah. That no. That's fair. Um, yeah. I mean, just keep yourself like busy. I guess. Like, I, well, not even that. I mean, I, I find solitude to sometimes it's nice to have like nobody around and to have like really quiet moments in your apartment or wherever you live to like sit and think um but other than that like i don't know i read i, I run i write i drink i watch shows like i i don't know you just kind of figure out what works best for you i suppose never ever have a moment of silence ever no don't, no, don't. that's, that's that, fine that's moments of silence are fine that's how you can that's it you need you listen you need to turn off everything else so you can hear what the voices are telling you Exactly. I don't you want to con- talk to those voices. They're rude. <laughs> you well, connect- then you know, get better voices. Yeah, I'm I mean, waiting. They're not showing up yet. Well, you gotta just you gotta train them. You gotta I'm not you know. cultivating a tulpa. Do it. Well, do what no. I did and go to a haunted place and just pick up a demon. Yeah, they're always that. fun. Yeah, but she sounds cute. So you're fucking lucky. <laughs> what? Bragging. What's uh, her name again? Right. I'm just gonna move on. Yeah, that's fair. Um, <laughs> speaking of picking up demons in uh, haunted places, what instantly makes an eldritch abomination unattractive? Well, there's actually uh, not a complex, but there's a real answer to that, actually. Because it's incomprehensible to the brain? Yeah, yeah, like that was the whole point, like H.P. Lovecraft. H.P. Oh. Lovecraft's whole thesis was like his, his horror is based on like just having to grapple with the sheer and terrifying like unknown. Yeah. Like, these things that you don't understand and will like forever be beyond your grasp and hold some kind of authority over you or influence. Or when they take um, their and do the with it. Yeah. Yeah. What, that's, what he said. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, isn't yeah. it like Cthulhu is only in like a story pretty much yeah. and it's only like alluded to and there's yeah. like not much really told about him yep. i don't it's think just then it exploded afterwards i don't think he's even supposed to be like uh like the major god like he's just the most popular one but i don't yeah. think yeah like, yeah no he's and, not one of the major ones in the mythos no he's like a gatekeeper almost but he's not like one of the big guys i think my favorite cthulhu thing is the one rj you've read it yeah uh i forget who who wrote it who wrote remember. it it was it was um Oh, I think it was, uh, I'm going to pull it up because it's just awesome. Um, but it was some British guy. I, I'm, I always uh, like the idea. It was like a Tumblr screenshot I've seen it. where like, uh, Cthulhu to humans is like a human to ants where like you see a bunch of ants form this circle and they dance out on the sidewalk. So you go and see what's up and the ants want some sugar. So you're like, yeah, sure. Here's a sugar cube. And, but then later, because, like, yeah, it's easy for you. It's nothing. It's a sugar cube. 
But then, like, if an ant's like, hey, I want this lady ant to like me, you're like, alright, well, I can't force the lady ant to do anything, so I'm just gonna kill all the other ants, so that, there, you're the only two left. And that's basically what happens in the Cthulhu stories. Yeah. I found it, by the way. It's, yeah. uh, the, it's by Neil Gaiman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's called I, Cthulhu, or what's a tentacle-faced thing like me doing in a sunken city like this, latitude 49 degrees 9 south, longitude 126, 43 west. And that's the one where it's, Cthulhu's just kind of, like, talking about his life. To, yes, uh, he, it's Cthulhu doing an interview with uh, a guy he refers to as Waitley. And that's it. Waitley never speaks. Cthulhu's the only one that has, like, a voice through it. And he just tells his story of Cthulhu from the beginning to now. And it's hilarious. It's it's a comedic story, but it's, yeah, it's great. Yeah. I'd re- look it up. Our next question. How often is it acceptable to go to the bar as a single 21-year-old? With the further details, I am... A 21-year-old fresh out of college just moved to a new place and working from home. Not many clubs or anything near me, but I have a couple low-key bars in walking distance. As I begin trying to make friends, how often is too often? This is assuming I have about three drinks or so, it doesn't interfere with work, and I continue to eat healthy and work out. Uh, I mean, if you're going every night, three drinks is a lot for every night. Yeah, it gets expensive. One, it gets expensive, and two, that's, that is, like, slowly how you fall down a cliff. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can go like uh, once or twice a week, I'd say. Well, in my, no, in my experience, you would go like maybe a Friday and maybe a Saturday. Like I, I usually when I was like <clears throat> living like alone, alone. Um, I was again. Well, like alone, alone is like like I didn't have anyone to go out with or anything. Like, I think James has a secret roommate. He's not telling James, us about. James has a secret Mark- roommate. I do. They're here. You just can't see them. Well, no, um, this is an audio medium. And that's also fair. Um, no, I would say, like, I usually had, like, one night of my weekend would be, like, usually my Friday would be, like, oh, I'll go out to a bar, like, have a few drinks, like, play some songs, and maybe I'll, like, fall into a conversation with someone. That'll be my, like, kind of adventure for the night. And then, like, the next night I would probably, like, stay in watch a movie, like do something like that. I usually think like one or two nights going to a bar on your own is like fine. You will like find some places where you'll just start to become a regular and you'll, you'll have like a social group that you can go to and know that you can get like conversation, but those places are like very few and far between. So, yeah. uh, yeah. And again, don't go every day. You don't need to go every day. You got better stuff to do than that. Make some other hobbies. Yeah. Our next question, how do you not freak out about the idea of death all the time? With the further details, approaching 30 in a few weeks, and it comes in waves really intensely and randomly. Overwhelming and something I'm considering counseling for in the near future, potentially. Yeah, I mean, I feel like fear of death is inherent in every living thing. Existing. I mean, now that yeah. like getting to 25, it's weird to think that we're a third of our way through yep. the like U.S. life expectancy. I would say go go to counseling. If it's that overwhelming, go to counseling. Because I'm pretty, I'm pretty accepted to death. Yeah, I, I don't know I, how I or would, why. I no, I I mean I I would agree with that. Like I I don't know like 
I think I've said it kind of before. I think the best thing you can do, and it's it's not like I've ever really been in any life-threatening situations. Like, I never served in a war. I've never gotten in, like, a really severe accident. Like, nothing like that. But, like, I don't know, just over time, I guess, like, yeah, you just kind of have to become acclimated as you realize it more and more, like, how... It sound, this is going to sound really, like, dumb and maudlin, but, like, how on, like, almost a moment-to-moment basis, like, uncertain life can be. And in that way, it makes, like, for me, again, not to sound, like, maudlin or whatever, but it does make, like, every day kind of, like, quote-unquote special. And, like, what are you like, going to do about it? It's Yeah, death. there's nothing. The only other guaranteed thing is taxes. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Ben Franklin. Yeah, no. I mean, there's not, there, yeah, there is nothing you can do about it. And that's not, like a defeatist thing in fact that like kind of mini revelation is the whole like grounding of <clears throat> nihilism and then the second step well, is like realizing that you can like make your own meaning when you kind of like move through that first feeling um because it never it never goes away i think it's just something you slowly become aware of as you get older and then you have to just deal with it um for the rest of your life but you're here yeah might as well enjoy it you might as well just just you're already at the party at least dance a little yeah just try and live as best as you can a, i feel like that's a quote or something i just made it up yeah i framed on my wall unless you find <laughs> it on google in which case i didn't make i it will up. find it no i'm sure you <laughs> made it up i don't know it sounds good yeah i like that uh our last question this week we're going back to dogs i'm thinking about getting a dog what are some pros and cons of dog ownership Pro, you have a dog. Con, you'd have to take care of a dog. Pro, dogs are fun and cuddly. Con, they die. I believe I already answered this. <laughs> he asked for multiple. Pros and cons. Uh, he won't, he won't, at least want two of each. Pro, uh, there could be a cold winter night where you and your dog get to like cuddle together on the bed. Con, you could come back to your home and the dog could have shit all over that bed. Uh, <laughs> yeah so, or so eaten it or eaten and it, then yeah. died and then you're sad without a dog or a bed and cold. you killed a dog all because you felt lonely you stupid idiot <laughs> pro no. uh it's fun to have a companion that just kind of follows you around the house all the time and thinks whatever you're doing is the best thing ever yeah con you're extremely lonely <laughs> 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 there, there's a quote from some I heard on from I don't forget, I forget where, but it was basically like say the person was like saying that uh, getting a dog is basically buying future sadness. It's like buying future sorrow, but also current happiness. True, but you're just all you're doing when you get a dog is ensuring future pain. Yeah, yeah, but isn't but that true? Isn't that true? Like even just with getting out of bed in the morning. He's got a point. Yeah, that's why you just don't get out of bed. <laughs> yeah, but then you're in pain anyways because you sit there and your muscles atrophy. Cal, like, Cal's figured out a way to move his bed so he can, he can put his bed on the <laughs> He shows up to work that way. <laughs> Listen, as long as I don't get out of bed, it's fine. <laughs> I'm never going to be unhappy. <laughs> Wait, what happens when you start to starve? That's not comfortable. No, just he... In bed. Well, okay. How see, do you get the to the fridge? Is, you're in bed. You have a giant. You have one of those giant grabber arms. Yeah, you get That's a grabber a pretty arm. Big grabber arm. Yeah, yeah. That's not a lot of dexterity. What happens when you spill the food? Get the fridge next to your bed. Well, what listen. Okay. 
You have to get more food. You have to stock the fridge. Instacart. But you have to get out of bed to get the Instacart. Give him a key to your place. At that point, there's a roommate. (laughs) Yeah, but when you pay. I mean, listen, okay? If Cal is really suffering from this condition, then the world should acclimate to his needs. Exactly. This is unjust. That uh, I don't know what this condition will be called, but a man who cannot leave his bed should not have to if he does not want to. <laughs> but all right, that's that's us for the that's us for this week. Oh yeah. Thank you both for joining. Thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song "Living in the Moment" off the album "Cross Off Yesterday." You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. You can also find us on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Like, download, review, subscribe, share, all those fun things. Uh, you can also find us on social media, Facebook, Better Buddies. On Twitter, at BetterBudcast. Use the hashtag BetterBuddies when you tweet about the show. And our Gmail, BetterBuddiesCast at gmail.com. You can send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, yeah, declarations of love and or war, or let us know, like, hey, we're at a hundred episodes next week if you're listening and you want to send us a letter for us to read that'd be pretty cool but if you don't no hard feelings and last but not least be a better buddy go away lobsters lobsters Yes. Whoa. There's a lobster here. It's a lobster. Kill it with fire. That's me. Boil it alive. Listen to it scream. That's the only reason I buy them. I don't even need them. <laughs> I just buy them to hear them scream. I hate you. Huh. I know. You're a monster. I know. I hate you for it. Do you guys remember when they used to have the lobsters in the tank at Walmart? Yes, yes. that was the best. I'd always go up and look at them. It was so cool. I, why did they get? Was it? Why did they get rid of those? Like too expensive, I guess. Probably nobody actually bought one. Well, it's Walmart. <laughs> Who can afford lobster at Walmart? That's also fair. Also, I'm sure people were just like afraid to actually try and cook them. Yeah. Yeah. My mom said that one time she and her roommates in college tried to cook a lobster and it got out of the pan. And they had to like. <laughs> Call some guys over that they knew to come and kill it. <laughs> <laughs>